0: They do. are both Big Ten schools. Yeah. But where does that leave the rest of us? Who could possibly answer that question in this strange new era of analytics?
1: Mad transfers. How
2: did it get
1: here? But well, it looks to me like you
3: portaled it. Oh,
2: what?
3: You know, portal from
4: wherever you were to here. I'm sorry. It's a a
0: different kind of portal. It's just changed so radically, and we're all running to catch up. And realignments. They both be pencils. Yeah. All we do know is the boys are back, and the Joe Bieber show plots its own course. Now there are a few more topics that we have to cover, and we will not talk about transfers, and we will not talk about my mother.
5: We will talk about what I want to talk about.
0: Fair enough. Who's next? next? Joe Beaver is on 1240 Joe Radio. Uh,
6: Yes, yes. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. It's uh, 1106 now at News Radio 1340 Clue AM. We're back. We're back. We're back. Mike is not here yet, and I'll tell you why. Um, Construction issues. There was a wreck somewhere. There was something slowing things down, and we talked about a half hour ago. Uh, in fact, and there was something holding um, traffic up at the intersection by Tristine Tree, the bypass to Oregon State right in front of the uh, the bridges to get into or out of Corvallis. And so Mike was kind of stuck in that, did manage to turn around to get back on Highway 20 to come the back way to get out here for today's show. And then there's some construction or something going on on 34th Street, which I had warned him about, but he would avoid that by coming in on Highway 20. Uh, from Queens so uh, not sure exactly when Mike will arrive but uh, had to go around the long way which a lot of people had to do yesterday there was one person killed and a whole lot of injuries from that uh, horrible crash 16 miles north of Eugene on I-5 yesterday and after it was all said and done uh, it it came out that uh, again just the one accident and or the one death but Mike's wife, Missy, along with others, were able to take advantage of them taking down those wire barriers at one point to allow for U-turning and getting onto I-5 northbound, which I'm sure alleviated a lot of big problems. Okay, I was just perusing the text. By the way, here's the lineup coming up in just a couple of minutes. Roxy Bernstein will join us, and we've got, I know we went to Roxy, pulled that lever last week, but there's so many more things to talk to Roxy about. Uh, as, as far as Pac-12 uh, football goes, and, and even some baseball. He's not scheduled to do any more games for ESPN Radio, but already has done some. But there's a lot to talk about football-wise with Roxy, and he'll join us at 11.15. And then Jim Wilson, who had to cancel on us last Friday, and he will join us at 12.15. We'll get Jimmy's thoughts on, uh, on Oregon State football and, and uh, other Oregon State stuff. He's very, very good it breaking it down for us. So Big Jim Wilson uh, at 12.15, Roxy Bernstein coming up at 11.15. There's some angry texts towards my way for, you know, talking about the Blazers. I know we promoted the Blazers, and I even said uh, a little worried about this first game because we had a technical issue that took the brains of about a lot of people. It was all IT stuff, Internet stuff, and it finally this morning got worked out. So tomorrow, Blazers on 1340, I am sorry for for not having it last night. They did give us a coupler number to call to try to put it on the air, but it was such a bad feed. It was inaudible. I just had to make the call. Take it off. We can't do it. It would have been horrible to listen to, to try to, uh, you know, make out the audio in it. It was just that bad. It has to be really, really bad to not play something in that situation. So that's the way it is. I know. Uh, it's just. What can you do? It completely out of my hands, I was directing it, trying to find out, okay, making all these phone calls for the last three weeks, and especially the last couple of days, saying, are we ready? Are we ready? What's going on? And uh, it was finally dealt with and fixed. Well, it had been being dealt with, but it was fixed uh, overnight, essentially. And they thought, all the worker bees thought that uh, the coupler would work for us, but it didn't. It was awful, so... Apologies to that, but we are up and running and good to go for Friday when it comes to the Blazers. And uh, you know, how about Drew Eubanks getting a couple of block shots? Drew getting 16 minutes. Uh, he didn't score. He had a couple of rebounds and a couple of block shots, he didn't score. GP2, of course, is out with that that core muscle injury, which, you know, until Damian Lillard had it, I'd never really heard about it. Um, never suffered it. I know that you can get abdominal tear, I suppose. But now you got two players, Damian Lillard and, and Gary Payton too, GP two, with this core muscle thing. That for Damian it took surgery, and he's feeling great. He had twenty points last night in his regular season debut from missing more than half the season last year. But uh, GP two now, as some in the Portland media speak, it's it's hard to tell when he'll be coming back, but. Some in the Portland media throw out terms like in a couple of weeks when GP2 comes back. So that's kind of the only indicator that we have of his return. And then, of course, Shaden Sharp, this kid that uh, he came out of Canada, played in some all-star games. He's a five-star blue blood guarantee, goes to Kentucky, but elects not to play. He said, "Ah, I think I'm going to skip my freshman year, work out and get ready for the draft. The Blazers draft him number seven overall. Then, with all this anticipation of this mystery of well, you know, is the guy any good? What you know, we've never really seen him. He goes and gets hurt. He hurts his shoulder in the very first summer league game, and then skipped the rest of summer league, so we never really saw much of him. But he goes out in 16 minutes and scores 12 points last night, so that's good for him too. And the Blazers get the road win. Now, how was everything? You made it a lot quicker than both you and I thought you would. So it must've been free sailing well, on and, Highway And I 20. might
2: have, John. I don't know what's happening on 34, whether there's been any further information about 34. It just looked like a slow, long, slow slog to get out that way. And so I cut, I thought I was cutting my losses. And yeah. now had I stayed, had I stayed, it might've, things might've loosened up and I might've been here on time a few <laughs> minutes ago, but I just said I, I can't afford to it go the other way. Whereas right. I know if I go 20, I've got a pretty good shot to get here now. And I chose that path. I don't know if anybody's out there on 34. Feel like for the second straight day, here yeah. we are. Yeah. Yesterday, far more serious. At least I hope whatever's going on in 34 is not like yesterday in terms of a a, a major pileup or, or or a very. Uh, uh, frightening kind of scene. I hope not. I don't, I just saw 34 at Tristine was moving very slowly and it's I funny. got out
6: of it. A lot of people have, you know, in different jobs that they do, they might have a meeting scheduled for a certain time or you got to get to the doctor or whatever. But in radio, especially with you, um, you got deadlines, a show, you got to be at the show. Or if, you know, when the show's done, you got to be back on campus for another show, like a high-level coach is going to be mm-hmm. coming in. And the last thing that you yep. can need, a nightmare scenario for us in our world is the picture of a high-level coach looking at his watch, yes. standing in a room waiting for you. Yes. So we come across all of these, okay, all right, should I go this way or should I can't tell you how many times I've been sitting in something. That I wouldn't have been late if it wasn't yeah. a problem, but sitting there going, uh, do I cut my losses or not? Do I cut my losses I know. or not?
2: I know. And poor Costanza gave us the, get in the other lane. The other lanes. get in the <laughs> other lane. The cabbie's staring at him, get in the other lane. Just go, go get <laughs> in the other lane. Gets in the other lane. And it immediately slows down and the other lane <laughs> begins to move. And George, ah, I was wrong. I'm sorry. Get back in the other lane now. <laughs> and the nice people in New York usually respond. Yeah, right. Okay, sir, I'll be happy to do that. We need to take a break. Roxy Bernstein is up. Then, Jim, as you mentioned. But if you have any information on the 34 thing, feel free to text us if you can. If you're just sitting there, or did it loosen up easily? I hope it did for all sake. Roxy next on 1240 Joe Radio. The Joe Beaver Show continues. Mike Parker, John Warren, joined by a friend who was kind enough to join us last week on the show. And we have doubled down with a great broadcaster and a friend in Roxy Bernstein here on The Joe Beaver Show. Roxy and Lincoln are doubling down on the Beeves back at Reser Saturday for the Beavers in Colorado game at 5 o'clock. And Roxy, thanks for taking time. Let's start right there. That was your first look at sort of our provisional press box world. I heard you reference it at one point. (laughs) I feel like I'm doing a high school game a little bit, just in terms of how low the view was. But I thought the stadium atmosphere was pretty exciting and electric, looking at that full scene across the way. What were your impressions, you and Lincoln working together there last week for the Washington State game?
1: Well, well, first off, Mike, the energy is great. And You know, I think that the fans that can get the tickets are fortunate to be able to get in with a limited number of seats available. So I think they're going to bring it regardless. The weather was absolutely spectacular. We could not have asked for a better night weather-wise, especially in mid-October to have the weather we had in Corvallis was amazing. Uh, But the other thing is you alluded to, it it takes them getting used to in – because we are so low, um, in fact I think we're actually even closer to the field than your standard high school yeah. football stadium. Yes. And that's right now, look, you are kinda getting you have been used to it now for a number of games, but for me, the other thing, Mike, is I'm I'm a stander when I'm calling a football game. Mm-hmm. Like I like to stand in, in the energy and just feel everything during the course of a game. I may sit down during a timeout. But I can't stand in that booth because where I stand, my height level, there's a bar that's literally right in front of my eyes. So unfortunately, I have to sit. I'm not six foot eight like Lincoln and can see over it. So that's the broadcaster disadvantage for me at the yeah. remodeling Research Stadium.
2: Yeah. Well, I I heard you allude to it. Do you do, You know, we don't do that too well. We'll talk about the setting and the scene or. You know, there are some spectacular scenes, and I think when you come back again next year, it's going to be just, it's going to be grand, Roxy. I, it's exciting to all of us to think about how loud it is now and with the configuration of Beaver Street and the completion of Reiser. though the attendance number will be lower. My sense is that's going to be an awfully loud 36, thirty38 whatever the final number is going to be. Yeah, I, the, the way I'm looking at
1: it, Mike, in a lot of ways... It's a smaller version of Husky Stadium, and that's at least the configuration I'm imagining with all those seats and in the, in the right there on top of the field, not much mm-hmm. room between the mm-hmm. sidelines and the first row of the seats. And it seems like every vantage point is going to be spectacular to watch a game, and everybody just, you get the feeling they'll be right on top of the football field, yeah. which is just for an amazing environment.
2: What did you think of the game itself, Roxy? And I'm just curious, what kind of things occurred to you? I've been using the phrase in different shows and interviews that I thought it was a solid, if not spectacular win, but solid and important game. And in a sense, the most complete game I thought this year for the Beavs, given all the circumstances and playing a team they'd lost two eight straight times.
1: I-, I thought it was a workmanlike performance. i along those lines, Mike, that they did what they needed to do to win. And the offense, I thought the field position game favored Oregon State, which is critical. Um, Bengal Branson did what he was asked to do; didn't do too much, didn't try to do too much. The running gamester, effective to be able. To
2: I'm gonna hard this year. Keep going. We lost you. We lost you for a minute, but I think you're back in a good place. We lost you for about ten seconds. Keep going. Yeah. Keep going.
1: But the but the way they were able to run the football and how efficient they were in that aspect, but defensively, to be able to stifle Cam Ward and that offense, that I don't think that Washington State's offense ever got in a rhythm and it got got comfortable right. with the aggressiveness, especially with the front seven, the way they played in that game. Uh, against Washington State, and I think there's an advantage for Nate Bray, Mike, as you know defensively how he can play because when you have corners like Wright and Austin, I think it allows you to do more and it allows you to get more aggressive inside because you have so much faith and trust mm-hmm. in those corners. And they benefited big time from that. Jaden Grant had a phenomenal game. It was, a gr- I thought, a great defensive performance yeah. for Oregon State.
6: Hey, Roxy, John with Mike. What do you make, though, of Farrar's breaking free and a lot of the inside slants and and, and, uh, some inside screens that did go for big yardage? The corners were locked down on the outside, but there was room up the middle on some of those quick hitters.
1: Yeah, but you have to bend a little bit, and I I think that's the way they perceive it. They're not, tell us, this way, right? We have to, if we can eliminate the threats on the outside, then there's something that could be available to them. But, I mean, the presence, Oregon State was constantly in the backfield pressuring Cam Ward, and the offensive line was under siege. And I just thought that from a defensive standpoint, you had to be really happy with that performance, with the sack numbers, the tackles for loss, the turnovers generated. That was a strong defensive showing, but... We've known this defense is really good, and there's a lot of talent on that side of the football, especially on the back end. I know it's usually not great when your safety is your leading tackler, which Oladapo is for Oregon State, but it's still, I think, a presence that they have, and Cam Ward seemed hesitant to make some throws because of the the way how effective did secondary plays.
2: Roxy Bernstein, our guest on the Joe Beaver Show. Roxy, you're this—I don't. This is not the Beavers' world. It's not even our world. I don't know what your thoughts are about what Washington State chose to do, in a sense, in bringing in Cam Ward. Jaden Delora thus then left. I just remember. I felt like Jaden Delora. <laughs> he lit the Beavers up in the second half last year. I seen him do it the year before that. I what. <laughs> Cam Ward looks a little too unorthodox for me, running around a lot. I mean, I don't know what you thought, and I know he's had some big games. Had you seen him before? And what are your thoughts about, in a sense, that decision to bring somebody else in and Delora heads off into the portal? Well,
1: well the first thing about Ward, Mike, is he's got all the tools and the talent. He, there's some throws that he can make that not many quarterbacks mm-hmm. can make. He's got the skill set. Um, but right now, I think it's just too inconsistent. And at times, he, he's a little careless with the football, will make the wrong read. And he's been, he's been prone to the interception. And turnovers have been a problem for Washington State so far this year. But with Eric Morris coming as the, as the OC, and he comes in from Incarnate Word with Cam Ward, plus Robert Farrell transferred in, I, I just think that, you know, in Jaden DeLore's my world, I, I think that he was just looking for a break. I think Nick Rolovich was a lot of the reason why he went and played at Washington mm-hmm. State. Mm-hmm. And when that relationship disintegrated, I don't want to say Jaden DeLore had a foot out the door, but yeah. he may have been looking elsewhere. And I, I just think it was it was a combination of things. It was as much Jaden Delora looking to leave as it was, I think, Washington State, okay. looking to bring in somebody like Cam Ward.
2: Gotcha, Roxy, how often in your experience through the years, I'm sure it's happened before, but do you and your broadcast partner, in this case, the great Lincoln Kennedy, you you, you run it back. Here you are again at Reeser's Saturday. Has that happened often, and what do, you, what do you make of it? It happens
1: on occasion. From a preparation standpoint, Mike, it makes it so much easier, as you know, right? It's so much easier, I should say, because we just had the Beers, and I was going to watch the game back anyways because I'm watching our game again, you know, the self-scout, if you will, like, like coaches do at the day after a game. They try to see what they did well, try to see what they can improve upon. And I do the same. So it, it cut down on my prep time, which is good. Um, it makes it really easy to update my spotting boards and charts for this game. And I just had Colorado a few weeks ago, and but certainly a lot of change with the Buffaloes considering – They fired Carl Durrell. Mike Sanford, Jr. is now the interim. Uh, So there is some change over there, but there still is the familiarity with Colorado. So from a preparation standpoint, this week it made my job a little easier than most weeks.
6: Well, even travel. You know where you're going, exactly where you're going. You know how to maneuver around all of the, the construction mess and all of that. Roxy Bernstein joining us here on the Joe Beaver Show the improvement from uh, Utah to Washington State, actually Utah and Stanford to Washington State, but I point out Utah because of the turnovers and and uh, and penalties. But, again, Stanford, 100, was it 90 or 100 penalties down to 10 yards, 100 yards down to 10 yards, uh, and a few things that Bengal Branson cleaned up as far as getting sacked. That's improvement dramatic, Roxy, from the week before and two weeks before do you see that in this Jonathan Smith team that they're kind of mired in who they are, reputation-wise, where they are with their record? But they're sitting at five and two with their two losses to two top fifteen teams, and getting better with a team that they can get better on, and then a and then a a, 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 a bye week. So, I don't know. What do you think about the potential for this team from what you've seen the last couple of weeks?
1: I like what I see with this football team and the the way they play. They don't beat themselves for the most part, uh, and make those kind of mistakes. But at this point, I think that they feel more comfortable with each game that Gil Branson plays. And, you know, we'll see whenever Chance Nolan comes back. But from a preparation standpoint, Gil Branson knows he's the number one quarterback going in. So he's getting all the number one reps, getting that familiarity. I think the the emergence last week also for Oregon State, that they were looking for – Look in the absence of Musgrave, looking for some tight end production, and Jack Velling is showing you he's going to be a pretty good player for Oregon State, and he's a reliable weapon in that in that passing game now. So I thought it was a smart game plan. They know what they have and go Branson. Look, he's not the most athletic quarterback, but there's some things that he can do, and I think now with the offense that Brian Lindgren's doing, they're tailoring it to his skill set in making it very comfortable for him to run his
2: offense. Roxy, you've been around uh, college football, the Pac-10, Pac-12 for a long time. So uh, you've seen what we, you know, the interim effect sort of the, that when when a coaching change is made in midseason, more of it's happened lately than in the years you and I were working in the league years ago, but it's happened more often. But what, how sustainable in a sense, and Mike Sanford Jr. comes in. He's visiting frat houses. He's rallying people up. They have a 50,000-plus crowd, and they have high energy, and they beat Cal, and it, they feel like they believe again, and he's infused joy. How sustainable is it? Is that the one factor Colorado does bring, or are they okay on defense under the, the new look with Gerald Chapman? I mean, what, how would you size up Colorado coming into Corvallis Saturday? Well, the one thing I
1: noticed, and there was a significant buy-in factor, right? When, it, when there's a coaching change, you wonder mentally where the team is at. And I, I, the, right now, Mike Sanford is saying all the right things, and he's doing the right things. And we spoke with him yesterday in preparation for the game Saturday. And for him, right now, guys, it's all about the players. And I, I think he's acting that way. He's trying to unify them. They've been through a a turbulent season so far. It can't be easy. A lot of those players, the majority of them went there to play for Carl Durrell. And then he gets let go. And it's a shock to the system. And I think that Mike Sanford is going about it the right way. I think it helps that he has been a head coach before. Um, you know, as a very young, what 32, 33 year old head coach at Western Kentucky. And that experience, I think benefits him as well in dealing with this situation. But I think that he's doing it the right way. It's all about the players. The way he's unified them, brought them together, made some tweaks. You alluded to Gerald Chapman. They they altered their defense uh, for the game against Cal. It's not like they're going to catch Oregon State off guard now. Mm-hmm. They caught, I think, Cal a little off guard when they went to the 3-4. But this is sustainable as long as there's the buy-in factor and the energy, and they're doing it for the right reasons. And at this point, I think Mike Sanford is – won that locker room over because they do believe that he's got their best interests. I'm talking about the players mm-hmm. at heart. It's about them.
2: Great answer. Roxy, Roxy Bernstein joining us a couple of more things, Roxy. Thanks for your time. As always, what do you make mm-hmm. of this CU job, the job at Colorado and the upheaval? A lot of it of late <laughs> Mike McIntyre had the one great year, the transcendent year. That certainly is the anomaly in their body of work in this conference. What, what do you make of the job?
1: It can be a really good job. And I think the fan base and support showed that last week. Right, Mike? When, when they had 50,000 just about, nearly a full house at Folsom Field for a team that was 0-5. Right. And let's face it, they were blown out in every game. It's not like they were playing competitive football either. So I think it goes to show you the fan base is supportive. They're going to be there. And it's a program that's got a proud tradition. You look at, you know, what they did in the early 90s under Bill McCartney in a national championship and Rashawn Salam wins the Heisman Trophy. It's a place you can win. It's a great setting. It's a terrific school. Um, they have the resources, that new practice facility, which they have. So they've invested in the program. And Rick George, their AD, is a football guy. And it's, it's important to him. So I think the foundation is there for whatever they decide to do and what direction they go in. But that's a job you can win at. And I think that there's a lot of potential in whoever takes over that job. And it's clear, look, Mike Sanford, he's not saying it, but I think we can all agree he's trying to audition for the job and throw his name into the conversation. Sure. I don't know if necessarily he'll get that opportunity, but I do believe that it is a good job, especially in the landscape of this conference.
6: Yeah, and we see that all the time. We saw it here at Oregon State with Corey Hall, the the new guy is always auditioning, and they they get a, an immediate jump from the excitement. But always, athletic directors will be working behind the scenes and doing what they can f- to to get a different guy. I mean, you got. It, I don't know of too many Roxy, uh, too many situations where a guy came in, took it, and got it. Other, outside of Jake Dickert, I mean, he was uh, he was a perfect fit. Hey, I-
1: yeah, Dickert and Clay Helton at USC, if you remember, when yeah. he was the interim. Yeah, and, they, right. and they named him the head coach. So it has been done, but I'd have to imagine, I mean, like you guys are thinking that they're probably going to do a big search and they have visions of bringing in someone that can really put Colorado on the map.
2: Roxy, your alma mater, uh, the University of California at Berkeley, they also played in that game in Folsom. I just oh. wonder how you. Oh. What, yeah. Well, that's that's a good answer right there too. Yes, that's a good, the best way to put it. I don't know how you write that out phonetically, but what you just said sounds about right. What about what's going on there? I I I have concerns, as I'm sure you do, and Berk, and bear fans everywhere do. Yeah, last last
1: week was hard to stomach from my Cal fandom perspective and my alum. I mean that. As the Cal person in me, I'm going, that performance is inexcusable. You, you can't. It appeared that Colorado was hungrier. They played harder. They played with more energy. And you don't say this often, but I thought Cal was outcoached because Justin Wilcox is usually as prepared as anybody in his staff. And that was, that was disappointing to see that performance. That Look, give Colorado credit. They showed up. They wanted to win. They played harder. They deserved to win that football game. But for Cal, it's back to the drawing board, and they need to respond against the Huskies Saturday night in Berkeley because that performance and you saw the anger in Justin Wilcox's mm-hmm. face as he's talking to the media post game, and it was disappointing. And he knows it starts with him. It has to get better, and just the inability for them to move the football against a defense that really struggled. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I don't know. To be honest with you, Mike, I don't know what they can do offensively and it's crazy to think just a few weeks ago they put up 49 points and ran for over 300 yards against Arizona. And then you go up against Colorado and you can't, you, you can't even gain 300 total yards of total offense.
2: Right. Right.
1: So I, it's a very frustrating time. If you're
2: an old blue like me, a head scratching thing, Roxy, how do you see the game? Yeah, going, how do you see the game going on down, down the road from us this weekend?
1: I just, For me, when you look at the records, Mike, for all the home teams this year, that I think the home field advantage, for whatever reason, this year is more significant than we've seen in years past. And so I think that has to count for a lot when you're looking at the matchup between the Ducks and Bruins. as good as UCLA has been playing. They really haven't been tested on the road. They won at Colorado, but this is their first real Mm -hmm. significant road test. And so I think from that perspective, I'm curious to see how the Bruins respond this week, but they've been efficient on offense. I mean, DTR is completing 75% of his passes. That's incredible. I don't know if that can continue. So with the way these two offenses can score and move the football, we're probably destined for a, a slugfest,
2: like a 17-14 game, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like the Beaver-USC game, whenever it was talking about. It's going to be high scoring because, you know, this yeah. or that or the other. Hey, last thing, Roxy, and that is when I think of Cal sports through the years, a lot of things come to mind. You, Joe Starkey, and KGO. 810 on the dial. Listen, I've, I've heard great broadcasters, yourself and Joe and Todd McKim and others, and I'm able to drive around our Mid-Valley area here and pick up the blowtorch out of KGO. 810 on the AM dial. And I was just astonished to, to see even though it's a sports format, I just I, I I cringed a little bit when I heard and read that that full-service blowtorch and all kind of old-fashioned, old-school news radio station was going over to a sports betting sports show format. I just thought, what? So you, who've been there forever, what do you make of it? Shocking, right? That for a lot of years, not only the blowtorch, which you
1: mentioned, Mike, but this was significant. News Talk Station had a presence in the Bay Area. And for a lot of years in, in the books, it was the number one station in the market. It was them, and it was KCBS, which is an all-news format in San Francisco. And the, the ratings have just deteriorated. The content, for whatever reason, just hasn't drawn the same interest in recent years. And the Cumulus Company, which owns the station, and decided to make this format change, and shocking, just all of a sudden, blew it up one day without much advance notice. Mm -hmm. So it's certainly an interesting road to go down. Um, But from what I understand, their contracts with Cal, the 49ers, they're not going to change. And certainly with this format, it would make sense to keep sports programming, but it really is disappointing. KGO Radio has been a fixture for so long in San Francisco and a presence, and now it's kind of this hodgepodge station they're trying to figure out what to do with
6: is there an equivalent station like that on the fm have have all the the full service news shows gone over to fm
1: well i think that's part of it where kcbs which is the news talk station as well uh has an fm sister station so there's two signals where kgo just stayed completely on the am dial that's a good point. I wonder if that had a lot to do with the deterioration in ratings for KGL.
2: Yeah, and you mentioned the hodgepodge, Roxy. I, I brought in the show the other night and heard a guy who I like. I, I think a JR sports brief show or whatever. I like him. It's a good show, and that's not a gambling show per se. So do you sense are you listening at all to it as you drive around so it's not just 24-7 gambling talk. They do mix in sort of more general sports oriented shows?
1: I, I think so. I think okay. Jim Rome Their show is on that channel now, so they're dabbling into the gambling aspect, which, as we know, has become so prevalent in sports these days. But they do have some general sports talk as well.
2: Okay. Roxy, great talking to you again. Look forward to seeing you again. Uh, Hope you enjoy another trip to Corvallis, and we'll see you Saturday at Research Stadium. Thanks for taking time. You got it. Sounds good, Mike. Thanks, Roxy. Roxy Bernstein, what a— uh, very gracious with his time two weeks in a row mm-hmm.
6: well what got him where he needed to go he started getting into his car i could tell the drive no we, he we got yeah, out of his car. that's
2: the best that's the best possible way these days do you get offended if
6: you're a drive call
2: no i don't get offended in any way i uh there are times that I say to people when when I've been asked on occasion, believe it or not, you yeah. know, the Utes, <laughs> you know you're in a market. Utah, in a week, will have three or four different radio stations, different time slots, day parts, call and ask you to be on. So Jim Wilson and I, between us, end up doing four or five shows a week getting ready for a Utah game. And you know that you're in a different world when you don't hear a peep from Stanford or Cal, oh, yeah. or even Colorado. Yeah. I don't. I don't think I've ever done anything on Colorado radio. That, in a sense, tells me a little bit. Boulder's just a smaller a bit, town. About kind of the marketplace and and the interest in that. It's different. Utah. Everybody's in. It's all in. It's all which that is interesting about, because even though they have an NBA team right yeah, there.
6: Yeah, and they're <laughs> a major metropolitan right. area. Smaller, but they're a major metropolitan area. And I've always found over the years that the bigger the market, with more pro sports the fewer college opportunities there are, or high school, of course, on Friday nights. And the Bay Area, are you kidding me? Cal and Stanford, men's basketball and football, the only two things that do get on. And even then, men's basketball sometimes doesn't get on.
2: Men's basketball, I don't believe, is any longer on KG. Maybe KGO will bring them back on since they're in an all-sports format now.
6: No, I meant, um, do you ever get offended when you're a... A, a, a drive home call situation for example my daughter will call me all the time but it's because she's driving home no
2: it's beautiful
6: it doc. is because yeah. they're the one you've chosen
2: no, absolutely but
6: you you've you notice that oh when yeah it's like oh hey <laughs> you know it's yeah. always okay well i'm home i'm done now i gotta go <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm like, there's well, no, no better no, no, no. way to pass the time <laughs> than on a drive home call with call a friend or a loved right. one uh, we take a break. Jim Wilson. I've had a few of those those types of calls with Big Jimmy. He'll join us at 12:15. Anything on your mind today? At 497-5356 on the Downward Dog phone line. It's open. The University on text line open. Would love to hear from you. As the Beavers in Colorado get ready, and anything else that you'd like to jump in with. Blazer basketball. I watched more of it last night. The entire fourth quarter. Part of the third, apparently left it in the third quarter when then, because afterwards when I came back to it after another assignment, another thing I needed to work on, couldn't just, can never sit and watch a full game in its entirety. The only time that happens is the game that I'm doing. Other than that, I never watch a full game in any sport in its entirety. Correct. Other than the game I'm working. So I missed apparently Drew's exploits. So if you want to call, oh well, here. Because at the start of the fourth quarter, Lamar mm-hmm. and Kevin Calabro, great broadcast team, by the way, but, the, but they said, wow, we need to commend Drew Eubanks. What a job he did. So when I, when, when I was watching, he was okay, but didn't do anything particularly notable. Yeah. But he must have had some good moments as the third quarter yeah, came a to an end. run. If you want to give us a little... Uh, you know, Oregon of, State update. Yeah, feel free to say, yeah, here's why. Yeah, here's why they were talking about it. But I missed that part of it. But I watched most of the fourth quarter and liked what I saw from the Blazers last night, particularly their defensive energy late. Hmm. Let's break and come back on 1240 Joe Radio. So you just got off the Downward Dog phone line with someone who called. You said, thanks for the report. Did it have to do with Highway 34? Yay or nay? Yay. Okay. And what was it, Paul? No, um, it's a regular
6: call. Oh, okay. But I, I didn't get his name. Okay. I'm sorry, sir. Thanks for calling, though. Um, paving, a paving and job, paving two. I th- he said lines. I think lanes or paving. Okay. To the point of something that should be done at night, Hmm. and in the the hmm. heart of the day, and it's eastbound because you're yeah, trying to get right. out of town, and it's just. Backed up everywhere.
2: So he did confirm the yep. backing up and it takes a so I I was right then probably to spin out oh, a la yeah. Cam Ward, oh, yeah. not run into John McCartan. Exactly. But spin out and run into westbound thirty four, yeah. take go over the bridge, take a right and come out highway twenty. That was the right maneuver. That was the right move. Okay.
6: That's a defensive tackle move now <laughs> where they, they they'll do the spin move. I like it. A reverse pivot too. Yeah to try to get around now, sometimes, and I've seen it in all football, college and pro. Then sometimes the guard will come over and hit the guy right as he's spinning around. He thinks he's going to be free to the quarterback. Mm-hmm. And then he, he's, he engages spins. And then the guard sneaks over and just smacks. Well, him that's, just a, little, that's a little, that's a little bit
2: where the Cougar fans uh, angst came from when Grant Stevens did a similar thing to a USC right, edge rusher yeah. and, was called for targeting, hitting a defenseless player who was chasing down Cam Ward. Well, uh, that's a that's a new thing. Yeah, and, and the whole thing that we we have lionized Lyle Moeval for for his hit on Grayson Gunheim would no <laughs> longer. That, that was one of the great hits of all time. That was a little more open field, yeah. but yeah, it was a back of great brutality, which it would be penalized, no longer allowable. Open phones uh, for the remainder of the hour. Jim Wilson will join us next hour. Let's get to a, a couple of calls. Start with Dave from the Great North. Dave, good morning.
7: Good morning, guys. <clears throat> Derek Doggett uh, had a great crack back, crack back block in the uh, uh, second game against Notre Dame. I can't remember which bowl that was. I guess it was the Insight. And I remember Lyle in that Husky game. Got, you know, very vivid. Yes. Very, uh, very, very yeah. fond memories. So my main reason for calling, gentlemen, was to uh, uh, wish you uh, and uh, the larger Beaver Nation with an acknowledgement of uh, Dick Fosbury Day, which is an event of my own making. Though it was on this date in 1968 that he won the High jump. Wow. That gold medal at the Mexico Olympics.
2: Wow, I didn't know it was this date. The the Olympics had been moved to the fall, and uh, I'm trying to remember the exact reason for that. Do you know the story why why the Summer Olympics in '68 were in kind of uh, mid October?
7: Well, Mexico City's relatively close to the equator, so much like uh, games in Rome mm-hmm. and uh, certainly Australia, because they're they're in the Austral summer, as opposed to the boreal summer here north of the equator, so th- those games will move around a little okay. bit depending upon yeah. depending upon the weather. And you know, I, thought, I, I just happened to hear that on the radio this morning, and I thought I would call in. Dick Fosbury is one of only two high jumpers whose names I remember. low, all these uh, uh, now more than a century of sports uh, 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 recollection. In hand. The other, of course, is the great Valerie Brumel, whose record Dick broke in the uh, uh, Valerie was, uh, Brumel was the great Soviet high jumper. And I remember him vividly for those epic U- uh, American Soviet track meets that were held in the 1960s. It was the first real break in the, in the Cold War psychology. They had these track meets, uh, CBS broadcast them. Mm-hmm. And uh, Brumel was just a was just a captivating figure uh, to my uh, youthful uh, imagination. Of course, he won the, he won the silver in sixty in Rome. Won the gold in Tokyo in sixty four, and then Fosbury with his uh, ethical innovation with the flop won in sixty eight, a quarter of an inch higher than uh, than Brumell had uh, four years earlier. Um, but uh, I was just stunned to read. I was just doing some research. The current record for the high jump is eight feet, one-quarter inch. Dick won the gold medal at seventeen four four and a quarter. let actually keep the record in yeah. the metric system, but it's just more intelligible. Anyway, it's a great moment Thank in you. Beaver yeah. Athletic history. I just thought I'd <laughs> highlight it. I have one other
6: comment, but I just want to take a breath
2: there. Sure. Now that's a great one. John had something uh, on I'm that. i was just going to say
6: for fun, I googled uh, famous high jumper so I can smart aleckingly say what you didn't, you never Dwight heard White stones. So and so, so and so. <laughs> uh, under the question, it says here, who's the most famous high jumper? And the answer is Dick Fosbury.
2: Oh, that's uh, so. You just ask question. a general question of the internet, who's the ma- most famous yeah. high jumper ever, and Dick comes up. Yeah. Nice. The Fos yeah, should well, be. How many?
7: What well, you think about it, guys? How many? athletes
6: invent a whole format yeah. or their
7: sport or right. their venue well, that's, that's I mean, the reason yeah. for his I can't fame think of another
6: one no yeah. that's the reason for his fame i mean yeah he's great at the heights that he reached but it's the fact that he literally <laughs> literally changed the way that from from what everyone used to do to what everyone has been doing and still does for for decades yep kid from Medford, Oregon. yep anything um, else
2: dave go ahead
7: yeah, I, I, just, I just wanted to throw in, because you know what a fan I am of AM radio. Yes. Uh, so uh, every once in a while, I wake up in the middle of the night, I put my earbuds in, and I'll click through the dial, and I'll just kind of just flipping through until I get something. And one night here recently, this sports station just comes blasting through. I thought, you know, you kind of memorize where things are. And I thought, what the heck station is this? And then I was like, you guys are shocked when they went to the uh, the on-the-hour station break, and it was KGO, I have so many fond memories of even driving back late from Corvallis. Mm -hmm. Saturday night uh, uh, game, listening to John Rothman or Bill Wattenberg, Ron Owens, of course. I used to have a great uh, Saturday night, uh, Friday night rock trivia uh, show. Many people might remember Ron. And uh, so, yeah, that's all gone. But, Fortunately for those long, late-night drives home on Saturday, we got the the KEJO post-game (laughs) call-in show
2: with EJ. That's right. Hey, Dave, great to hear from you. Thanks for reminding us about our our legendary hero, Dick Fosbury. That's a great reminder. Thanks for the call. We're staying in the great state of Washington. Mike in Seattle. Mike, thanks for the call. Welcome to the Joe Beaver Show.
3: Well, thanks, guys. Hey, it's starting to rain up here, so I hope – hope that's not a harbinger of things to come for tomorrow. Yeah. But uh, if it is, I'll be ready for it. I'll see you down there. Hey, that was a great interview yesterday that you had with Scott Sanders on, on the NIL that they're creating yeah. or or have created. And I harken <laughs> back to about 18 to 24 months ago, you know, when NCAA started to say things like, yes, uh, that the athletes can be compensated. I won't be. I won't say paid, but they can get a stipend, or they can get they can get something for their name, image, and likeness. And there was fans of the WWE show that would call in and say, "Well, if they're going to start playing paying players, then I'm out. That's right. not college athletics anymore." So now, fast forward 24 months, let's say, and the Supreme Court, you know, has already ruled. And I admire Scott Sanders and his team there that that have taken the bull by the horns and created a corporation. Uh, you know, they're separate you know, from the ethnic department, although it sounds like there is some kind of handshake and blessing that this mm-hmm. is inevitable. And so I'm curious kind of what everybody's thinking about it. Cause I think that that interview yesterday, you know, was an eye opener and that's the first interview I've heard of all the schools I follow, you know, where the leaders of the NIL actually come out and, and actually talk about it and right. talk about dollars and cents and that there's people getting, checks as we speak, mm-hmm. and then they'll get a 1099 at the end of the tax year, by the way, those those, those players, and they're going to have to pay tax on that. And um, it's happening now, and I'm, and I'm curious what people think.
6: I have a question for you, in fact, for you and everybody. Yep. And that is, should there be a limit on the number of dollars, let's say, if an athlete gets a certain amount of money over the cost of their scholarship that they don't get the scholarship anymore, open that up for someone else because they got enough NIL money?
3: Well, you know, I think in the fair market environment, you know, that we live in in the United States of America, I think the Supreme Court and the antitrust laws have have already spoken that if you're a student in the computer science lab there at Oregon State, you know you can get something from Microsoft, you know in the ninth grade, you know that pays for all your education and your fees and your uh, and your expenses and a salary, and then as you graduate, then you go on the on the payroll for that corporation that has partnered with you along the way. I know, at going where I work, I was astonished because I'd hire interns. And I actually hired them as interns back in my day. So if you were an intern, that was that was volunteer labor to the company so that you could get experience. But it seems like now, um, you know, the game has changed. And so, John, I think it's a great question. And I don't think the NCAA has the teeth anymore or the will to rule on that. Uh, I don't even think they have a new director yet, do they? Mark Emmert, I think, is it, resigning, and uh, in the individual schools, you know, that make up the N.C.A.A. Uh, yeah, they they don't want to have it have a police. And I think Scott talked about that that yeah. down in the S.E.C. and in, in Texas, where his son is. You know, it's unfettered and a lot, lot bigger. You know, so I don't know. I, I find it <laughs> yes. interesting that I'm in just curious how Beaver Nation kind of thinks about it and looks at it. Because it's happening and it's not going away, and, right. and those folks, you know, that were against it, and now what are they thinking?
2: So, well, you know, they're, anyway, they're, I'm curious. Yeah, thanks, Mike. Good, to, good to talk to you. Uh, I don't know if Mike saw or you saw. You have said that you've begun. You put a bookmark in the story, CarrieAgers yeah. The the best. It is the best feature I've seen on it. Yeah. The opening. If, you, if you, yes.
6: The opening part, I had to really stop and think. Because it's confusing on verbiage and and who's getting what and how it works and who's supposed to get what, because I need to think like, okay, by the end of the article, I want to try to solve the problem like most men do. I want to look at that, read it and go, all right, well, here's what needs to happen. Right. But I can't because it's it's very well, confusing. But I just I read it over. Okay, this group is doing this away from the school, mm-hmm. but the school likes that they're doing that, but can't really. No one can communicate back and forth because there's still the rule that you cannot talk with a um, a recruit, a prospective recruit. Right. Then as how are a they rep- able to say what, But how are they able to say? Well, what do you want? Well, and then they say we want a three bedroom, two bath house, right.
2: and now that's that's transfer portal stuff, as opposed, uh, which I guess. Are portal True. people he, that was a guy shopping. Yeah, I'm not sure if portal people are dealt with differently as, as in terms of an incoming recruit. I mean, there I don't know how the, that's, you the, know, that's how that's delineated question. either. Yeah, it's, that's it is question. a question. There's amongst many questions. That's why I really liked Kerry's deep dive into it. But yeah. in that story by Kerry, Cary on nil, he mentions, Carrie parenthetically almost that. You know, Kimya Massey alludes to or suggests that another collective could indeed be announced relative to Oregon State Athletics soon. So there is a symmetry of sorts between Scott Kimya and the, and the Brain Trust at Oregon State with these efforts, and there needs to be. There's just simply got to be. Jimmy Wilson coming up at 12.15. Time
1: to enter the Magic Kingdom. Denise, would you kindly clear the wheels? Okay, here we go. On three. One,
0: two. Tweets and texts. Faces and books. Tweets and texts and faces and books. Seems like it's more about FM and color TV. In such an age as this, is there any room left for something as simple as radio? We believe there
2: is. Touchdown, B-
0: Joe Beaver Show is on the air with Mike Parker and John Warren, two men on a mission to prove that AM radio
2: is a viable and modern source for news and entertainment.
0: So gather the whole family. Turn your radio on. Turn your radio on. Turn your radio off. If you don't have one, fret not. I'll have the management send you up a radio. Be a part of the triumphant return of amplitude modulation. This is the big one, boys. This is the one that brings us back.
2: Soon, AM radio will reign king once more.
0: <laughs> it's the Joe Beaver Show on the home of the beavers.
2: Cool Kill 1240
0: Joe Radio.
2: We haven't heard that one in a while. Well, AM radio talking about uh, its future, its place. AM radio will be king once more. <laughs> I don't know if that's an actual, uh, a true statement, but one thing I have noticed, John, as we welcome you back into the second hour of the Joe Beaver show today, one thing I've noticed, and to me, I find it interesting. Jim Rome's audience, and yesterday I think he opened his show by saying that the sports beef segment, he was moving from one day to another, and that led to him talking about, How, you know, the certain markets and stations that they're not on terrestrial radio anymore, Mm -hmm. and Jim was saying, but there's a lot of different ways to find the show. Come on now, you can find the show. It struck me as for Jim to be telling that audience, a youthful Mm -hmm. audience, Mm -hmm. generally speaking— that even the youthful audience sounds as though there's still a reliance on getting in the car and pushing a button or turning tuning the dial to the frequency. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. Maybe young T.J. can help us with this, because he's he he's still young. That's his fault, as Cat Stevens would say. But finding games and other methods other than. You know, we I mean, thank heaven for for being online, K-E-J-O-A-M.com and the live stream of the show. So we can hear from Bill Chisholm, we can hear from Dave from Tumwater, we can hear from Mike in Seattle, we can hear from other folks, Dan in Beaverton and elsewhere who call us. They're not listening on 1240 Joe Radio. They are listening to a live stream. They've learned how to navigate that world. But I still feel, John, and I don't know about you, I like to be able to turn on my radio and tune you in in the morning on news radio 1340 clue am yeah Listening to, to ball games, driving around town on the car radio yeah. and not necessarily going to newfangled apps and different approaches. I don't know how the world generally works or how people do that on a day-to-day basis, living their lives. But the very fact that Rome said, you, you can get the show in other ways, you know. It's not just terrestrial <laughs> radio now. Come on. And he was talking to his yeah. listeners and come on. I mean, we've been doing this for a long time. I still would rather hear something on the radio than go to somebody and listen to their show online. That's me. I'm old. But I almost sounded with Rome talking to a young audience that maybe it was trying to convince them to change their ways, too. Well, this show we have
6: here, you and me, are on our stream, and like Mike and Dave and Mm -hmm. and others outside the area, they listen in. We have listeners in foreign countries. Yes. Beaver fans Mm -hmm. go on a trip or something, and they'll listen in. But they hear... uh, Everything that you hear on terrestrial radio, it's a different sound. My wife uh, listened for several years to us on uh, the stream because she lived in Beaverton and Mm -hmm. all of that. As soon as she got to town and was regularly able to turn the radio on, she said, oh... I like that. She said that's much better. Now this clean feed you and I hear right now, mm-hmm. this is what it sounds like on the internet. If I turn it, our headphones to the uh, the on air, all kinds of static and I know. everything because of where we are and you're relying on the on the towers. But you can it opens it up to being able to hear other shows from around the world or the country True. if you like it. And I when you and I were younger, we did a thing, and you you refer to KGO and tuning it in, mm-hmm. and Dave referred to KGO. I used to listen to Seattle radio, Los Angeles KGO, uh, KOA uh, in Denver, right. uh, Salt Lake City. It was called DXing, distancing to try to hear, for whatever reason, different stuff from around mm-hmm. the area. Now mm-hmm. you just go online and listen. I to it. know,
2: I know. And but then there's paywalls, and I there's know. I know. Uh, it's just. It's not the same with paywalls. and Driving around, John, I still, you know, coming back at, at night at, usually, but I, I'll pull KGO. I pull, it's interesting, you brought up with Roxy, FM radio and yeah. news stations. Because that's what Portland's doing. You're right. Because KNX. AM 1070 in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. That's it. I know the frequency because I've been listening to it most of my life. I used to hear it in the summer times in the evening time. But now, I'm just telling you, try this sometime. KNX, AM 1070. When you go and listen to them on AM 1070, they're, all of their their imaging, their branding, uh-huh. KNX, FM, and they don't even mention their AM call frequency <laughs> right. anymore. Because they're on the FM dial. Yeah,
6: that's right. And KXL and KEX used to be the two powers that would battle it out amongst each other for the number one full-service radio shows. You had... um, Miller Bob Miller on yes. KEX, yes. KXL morning show. I was a part of that for a while. It's huge. Yep, everybody the was The Z one hundred
2: morning zoo.
6: And those two AM new full service news stations yeah. went FM. They still are right. AM, but they went FM, and that's where you find them.
2: But I think about, and we're just talking. I'm going to bring young TJ in before we, before we break and come with. Um, and by the way, Jim Wilson.
6: if you ever see or hear of a radio station with three letters, that's very old, mm-hmm. and they would be foolish to ever give them up, and they do sometimes.
2: KEX should never give up KEX. No. KEX, KXL. Mm-hmm. Um, Although the big blowtorches that I listen to out of Seattle, 710 Cairo, I can pick up at night. Yeah, 1,000 stra- Combo, yeah, I pick up at night.
6: Yeah, that's they're, they're, but, they've got four letters. It's The three wor- letters yes. is kind of a historical yeah, thing.
2: No, you're right. Jim Wilson here in a few minutes on the beavers in Colorado. TJ, your your listening habits. I mean, do you, are you a terrestrial radio person when it's available, or you navigate online stuff to listen to other games, or what?
5: I guess it depends on the environment. I've never lived in a place like this where I've had to drive so much, and it is really convenient when someone else is, you know, running your programming for you. And you just press a button and it plays. because for example i listen to a lot of baseball obviously
2: Mm -hmm.
5: and at night if the mariners are on 990 that it's just not really a
2: as clean or strong Mm -hmm. it's very static yeah
5: you have to be around albany
2: yeah much to hear it yeah
6: that's
5: it so you know if you try and stream it and you know sometimes streams aren't perfect especially when they're trying to geolocate where you are and play ads in your area mm-hmm. there's this weird like problem where the ads will bleed into the play it's awful <laughs> yeah. and it's really and it's just really annoying and knowing that would not happen if you're listening to it on the radio right because it's timed up a lot better um, so i guess you know it depends and it's always good to hear you know live programming as well and you don't have to i don't have to get my phone out of my pocket plug it in press right the button, right hit play okay boom now set it down all right there we go right. yeah a little bit a little, little few more steps
6: Right. But now, when you when you're driving around, do you have certain stations, maybe out of Portland uh, or or us down here, to be able to just turn your radio on and listen?
5: Yeah, well, I have all of our stations.
6: In yeah. case
5: mm-hmm. you Need to check on something, and then I'll have. I think I have 750, which is carries Westwood One. Um. So. Yeah. Night, Sunday, Sunday night. Thursday
2: mm-hmm. night football. Kenzano's <clears> uh, <throat> <then, throat> on there. Yeah, I think 620. Is right,
5: 620. Rip Blazers, City Radio. Blazers, Kraken.
2: Yeah, 620 else. is the Kraken? Yeah, yes. Do. How much of an NBA fan are you, by the way, Not TJ? Really. I mean, I'll pay attention. Did you watch any or no, listen to I'll, any I'll, last I'll pay attention night? I'll playoffs start. Okay. Well, that, that's 81 games away now.
5: Yeah. Well, <laughs> let me it's that. all yeah, begun. It's
2: all will be a full swing and- I am glad we have our Blazers this year because our Blazers, more than ever, are our team because of two guys. Now GP2 is going to start playing soon. Yeah, Drew yeah. Eubanks played well last night, so I'm going to be much more attuned to Blazer stuff this year. <laughs> hey, Big Jim Wilson joins us next. We'll talk about the the Beeves and the Buffaloes because nobody prepares better than than Jimmy does. So he can tell us what is the threat level. For the energy and joy of Mike Sanford Jr. and the Buffaloes coming to Corvallis Saturday. Jim next on 1240 Joe Radio. We continue on the Joe Beaver Show. Be sure to join us tomorrow. The Beaver Backer lunch special and another Joe Beaver Roadshow prior to a Beaver home game will be at Benchwarmers Bar and Grill, 1895 Northwest 9th Street in Corvallis. What a great spot Benchwarmers Bar and Grill is. We'll have all kinds of prizes to give away uh, gift cards to Benchwarmers, to Denny's, uh, Bowling from Highland Bowl, Mellon Corn Maze passes, football tickets for the Beavers in Colorado, and a Beaverbacker lunch special. Come join us at Benchwarmers tomorrow, 11 to 1, Benchwarmers Bar and Grill in Corvallis at 1895 Northwest 9th Street. A pleasure to welcome my broadcast partner, good friend, Big Jim Wilson, OSU Hall of Famer, to the Joe Beaver show, Jim, I know your time is short in your world as an educator at Ford Vancouver. So I, the question I pose going into break is we're going to ask Jim, how much of a threat level is Colorado and the new infusion of energy and joy by Mike Sanford, Jr. Coming to Corvallis. So I've asked you how much of a threat level is this game? As far as you're concerned,
4: 1,000% more than they were two weeks ago. Okay. Is my answer to that. Um, you know, I don't know. I expect Oregon State to actually uh, play a very good football game and win, uh, but uh, Colorado definitely, they're coming off of a win. Everybody talks about the uh, engagement with the players and, and, and so forth, and the defense clearly played better on uh, at least against the one. I mean, goodness sakes, the worst rush defense in the country helped Cal to 35 yards net rushing. So, uh you get it's 12 you gotta play a good football game, but I think Oregon State is 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 going to win this game.
2: Jim, going into the year and you always do a lot of prep each year. You look back at personnel. Colorado was in a sense gutted after last year with twenty-three players transferring out. Carl Durrell no longer on the sideline, but he changed out six coaches. Kyle Devan, one of the guys he brought in to be his O line coach. I love Kyle. But they really changed a lot, so I don't know how much continuity you had to look at their personnel returning. They're a young team, but they did have some talent coming back defensively, and maybe Gerald Chapman has put those guys in the right places.
4: Over the years, I have followed. Kyle. They they recruit okay. I mean, they have they get four star guys, and they do pretty good uh, recruiting. Not great, but I mean, they they, they get guys. But in this day and age with the with transfer portal and so forth, boy, continuity is a word that yeah. it, it, it may be overrated. I, I, I don't know if it is or isn't, but USC, how much continuity did they have? Right. And uh, so the the problem is, much like Stanford, Colorado lost more guys than they gained through the portal. And the, the, the other problem is, whereas USC, the guys that they lose are guys that thought they weren't going to play. The guys they gained were all Americans <laughs> elsewhere and, or, you know, starters or, or good guys. And so uh, that, that's the problem. Colorado wasn't getting a bunch of uh, big, big guys. They were getting guys that just weren't happy elsewhere.
6: Now that talks about this year, but, and maybe even uh, answers, part of it answers my next question, Jim, is, can, do you have any thoughts on why it's so such an unsettled place in the last 15 years. At Colorado, it's a it, it, formerly Power 5, or the old Big 12. They say they've got all the latest uh, facilities upgraded, a practice facility, and it just seems to not work out. Not that I want it to, but it, it leaves that question of, man, what's wrong with Colorado?
4: Well, Rick are New left And that's, uh, you know, every time he leaves somewhere, then they, they fall apart. But, you uh, know, I, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I, I always thought, way back in the Big Twelve days when they, they were a great rival with Nebraska and Oklahoma. And I, I thought Colorado, I mean, that, that's a, that's a great place. And if you've been there, it's, it is a real mm-hmm. nice place. And uh, I'm not sure the answer to your question. I think they thought they had their guy in Mel Tucker, but it's just more of the same Mel Tucker saw this as a stepping stone right. as, a, as opposed to, to an end destination. So uh, to answer your question, uh, John, I don't know because I think they have a lot of things. And and that's why when you, you look ahead in this coaching hire, as nice of a job as Mike Sanford has done at least through one game or two weeks. Uh, I, I think they need to go and will go with what they consider a, a sexy hire and really go big.
2: Jim, how do you feel about the Beavers right now, the games they've played? Bengal Branson's 2-0 as a starter. No matter how you chalk up how he's played, he's 2-0 as a starter, likely to to get that third opportunity Saturday. So maybe we can start with quarterback play. But just in general, what have you seen from the Beavers the last couple of weeks? And I still feel like they have their best football still ahead potential. I mean, what are your thoughts?
0: Well,
4: I, I'm hoping their best uh, football is ahead, and it will be centered around the quarterback play. I think the roster's in place. I, I, every position I, I'm, I'm fairly happy with. Kicker is an issue right now, uh, and quarterback. I, I mean, yes, Ben Branson is 2-0. and oh. And um, if, uh, if, if you're just looking for a game manager and, and, and somebody to not throw the ball uh, to the other team, then you know, expect expect to win some and lose some. If you want to contend for Pac-12 titles, look at the top of the conference. You have four ranked teams, UCLA, and they have uh, DTR. You have uh, Oregon and Bo Nix, and uh, where else you go, Utah, uh, Cameron Rising, and USC, Caleb Williams. Uh, those four guys have combined to throw 60 touchdown passes and nine interceptions. That's not game management. And then they've also rushed combined for 21 touchdowns, over 1,000 yards rushing, in that group of four guys. So if you want to win the conference, you're going to have to get somebody to lead you. You have to have all the phases covered. And Oregon State, I think, has all the phases covered. But you have to have somebody at that quarterback position that's leading the way. Mm -hmm.
6: Where do you think that is headed? Because... Pretty much that position was solid. Then in two close games, the quarterback got the yips. At the same time, he got hurt, so he's going to set out anyway. The next guy comes in and manages games, but I will say there was vast improvement from the first game for, uh, for Ben, actually the first appearance, all the way to now vast improvement, cutting down, getting sacked, and throwing picks. He did have the one, but... Uh, I don't know. What do you think? Where do you see the this position moving forward now?
4: Well, I think all Brian Lindgren is looking for, all of the fans are looking for, is growth. And and you knew the minute they went from Nolan to Ben Goldbranson that you were going to have to experience some growing pains. I mean, about the only guy that didn't have any growing pains was Chance Nolan. I mean, I look back, Matt Moore, his first year was – very, it was a very, very sluggish year, mm-hmm. and even three games into his second year, it was really slow going. They played a 13-7 game at home against Washington State with Matt Moore quarterback, and there was booze in the in, in the in the stadium. And that year, the Beavers were ten and four behind Matt Moore. And so, I, I mean, I've seen it happen. I've seen it happen fast. I've seen it happen slow. But there usually is growing pains. And that's where we're at. And that's what you knew was going to happen That, that the minute, they that Nolan was out, Colbranson's in. He's a third-year sophomore. You know that he knows all these things. We've seen him in practice make these throws. Now it's just a matter of doing it when the bell rings and it's it's time to go.
2: The bell's going to ring for Jim soon, so last couple of things quickly. Uh, Jim, you, the three-man rotation in the running game, that, uh, Jonathan says we're sticking with it. It's 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 been productive and working, and yet, and yet, we say dot, dot, dot. It, does it look to you like Damian Martinez might be emerging and you and I and others have said, it looks like whatever tentative qualities may be early. He's beginning to hit with more, more of a burst and speed and all of the things we thought he might be. Does it look that way to you?
4: It it, it certainly does. I mean, it, the obvious thing is, Hey, you got a wide open lane there, yeah. 50 yard run, you know, or you got a wide open lane, 45 yard touchdown against Stanford. But that's, let's back up 45 yard touchdown, made a guy miss in the secondary. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think the thing that the Beavers need out of, out of their backs, make somebody miss along the way. And uh, it, it's not that just, he had the two big run. I think he is just emerging. He's playing faster. He looked really fast at Stanford. And we just said, so. I mean it's like, yeah. whoa, he looked faster. Mm-hmm. And I don't think he got any faster. I just think he's more confident and he's playing faster. So I, I mean, I think you're going to see him get more carries than the other two. Jam Griffin actually was just a spark yeah. in, uh, in a couple of the games that uh, he's played, and I, I think he's still going to be a big factor. And um, Deshaun Finwick continues to get get his his carries. I think you're going to see him in almost reverse order. It's still a three man rotation, but I think it's going to be uh, uh, Martinez getting the most carries, Jam the second most carries. And Deshaun Fenwick, uh, the third most years. Just because, I mean, it's a, it's a it's a three man rotation. But you're going with, as Jonathan said, if we find a hot hand. Mm-hmm. And right now, I think that hot hand is uh, Damian Martinez.
6: Is there ever a film effect? Because I know a couple of weeks ago, Desha- uh, Fenwick, and or uh, Damian were not only were they not. Fast. They weren't hitting the hole at all. And when they only got what the hole got them rather than extra, Griffin came in and was like, everybody wanted Griffin. Get Griffin in there. He's hitting the hole hard. All of that. Now Martinez is doing that. Is that a film effect? Seeing that and thinking, I got to step it up.
4: Oh, I think that's a good thing. Yeah, like you you said, it, and I apologize, I couldn't hear with what the the what effect, the blank effect. that sure. is the word, but I like it, whatever it is. <laughs> I think they're all playing better. Yeah, uh, I think Jam Griffin has been good basically since we, we we saw him in about the third game. He 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 has been good, and then uh, Martinez has improved, and Martinez has improved, and Emrick I think has just continued to just run. he runs hard. I will say that. Um, I think some people think that maybe he gets tripped up too easy or he's not able to make a move once he gets past the line of scrimmage, but he is a good short yardage and goal line guy. So, you know, they all have their, their, their uh, different things, but it, the, the, the hot hand, I guess, is, is the the term that, that Jonathan's going to use, and I think that's where he's going to
2: go. Last thing, Jim, uh, and that is – you break this down on the pregame show with Ron. You guys go through, you and Ron Callan all of the Pac-12 games. There's not as many with uh, four teams on a bye, but UCLA at Oregon in the early game, Arizona State at Stanford, and then Washington at Cal following the Beavers in Colorado. A quick thought maybe on all of them, but the marquee game, of course, is the one down the road. What's your sense on though on that game in particular and maybe a quick thought on the other two, and we'll turn you loose.
4: Yeah, well, first and foremost, uh, all three of them, boy, in the fact of this, you're keeping an eye on the home team. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, that, that that is what Oregon has going for them in this game. Uh, the other team has the hottest quarterback in the conference, uh, Dorian Thompson-Robinson. It's just been, every time I watch him, it's just highlight real mm-hmm. stuff. But he, he can pass. That's what separates him this year, making decisions, hitting his passes. They got that guy Bobo, uh, as a transfer from Duke, is – Boy, he, just, he just looks unguardable near the goal line. Uh, they are athletic. They're fast. Uh, Oregon at home, I, I just think the biggest factor here is Oregon at home. And so I think Oregon is going to win that game um, on account of they are fast. Mm-hmm. They're athletic. They're getting great quarterback play themselves. I, I think Bo Nix has eight touchdown runs this year. And that's, to me, I mean, what a X factor. Yeah. You know, you know they've got speed around, and Oregon does lead the conference in, in rushing. But uh, boy, you yeah, add the the quarterback is a threat too. That that's tough. Mm-hmm. Stanford at Arizona State it's at Stanford, and again, you know, I don't know what it is, but I don't think Stanford enjoys much of a home field advantage. But I will say that I think that's going to be a good game. And Arizona State, they're saying they're going with Emory Jones. He got hurt. This guy Trenton Borgetti comes in and just lights it up. Throw yeah. three touchdown passes and beats Washington. But uh, uh, with the bye, Emory Jones is healthy now. Jones starts. But uh, I would imagine that the, the quarterback, Borghese, got his arm ready in the bullpen. And, and so yeah. Yeah. this is going to be interesting. I, I think Stanford has a chance to win it just mm-hmm. because they're at home. And that's, yeah. that's kind of what, what I'm thinking these days. And then uh, the other one was Washington Cal and, boy, for Cal, I mean, yeah. I, I just don't know um, I, their roster. You said Colorado, how 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 depleted they were from a year ago. Same with Cal, they lost all their guys, including their quarterback, two best receivers, two yeah. best linemen, two best two tight ends, all their defensive linemen. I mean, they're, they are a inexperienced team, and uh, and Washington has the best passing offense in the country. So uh, I, I think Washington does win this one on the road. Uh, Washington's Achilles' heel, in my mind, is their secondary, mm-hmm. I just don't know that Cal has the horses to to exploit that. So yeah. if I like Washington to win. I'm going to take Arizona or uh, Stanford in an upset. I don't even know the spread if it's an upset or not. Stanford <laughs> and Oregon.
2: Yeah, and I think you've got the Beavers too, as long as they stay flat. I, uh, the, I,
4: I have to, this one is all about Oregon State. Right. Uh, just do do your thing. You forget about who you're playing. Play your game. And uh, I, I think I think things will turn out.
2: Jimmy, good to talk to you. Look forward to seeing you Saturday. Thanks for the Thanks, time. Jimmy. Thanks for the time, as always. Big Jim Wilson, our guest. We break again tomorrow. Benchwarmers Bar & Grill. Tickets to the game Saturday. backer lunch specials at Benchwarmers Bar & Grill, 1895 Northwest 9th Street in Corvallis, Open phones down the stretch. Any thoughts on any of the above or anything else you'd like to introduce? Love to hear from any of you who watch the Blazers from start to finish. And maybe with attention to Drew Eubanks's play. And just what you thought out of the gate, game one. To win it at Sacramento, yeah, that's not one of the great feats in the history of the league. I understand that. But I thought that was a... Good win. I'm going to care more about these guys this well, year because they have two
6: R guys. Broke a, like a three-game losing streak in openers.
2: 497-5356. Love to hear from you. 497-5356. The kid sharp looks pretty good. Anthony Simons had a hot hand. People already, and here's what worries me, just a tad, a tad, a tad, a tad. It's, mm-hmm. nice. it's different. Mm-hmm. But these what's wrong with Russ Questions going on in Denver, and we've been about people are talking about Dame like that a little bit. Dame, are they? Yeah, a little bit, saying he's not back
6: yet. By the way, that last okay, what's wrong with Russ? This morning they were making fun of a thing that he had said that he was uh, uh, healing better because he's what did he compare himself to? I don't know, some weird thing like Spider Man (laughs) or something. He was joking. Yeah, well, Wolverine Wolverine's goes up. Yeah, Wolverine. And he was blood. joking it was that and joke, and yeah. yet they were making fun of him like he's weird. I feel yes, bad for he Russell. He is weird, and he's doing really weird things. I know it's weird when somebody has done a body of work of weirdness, and then the piling on is so blind that instead of piling on the bo- the body of work of weirdness. They take something that he does that's
2: not that weird. That he meant as a joke. Yes, yeah. and then says, look but at he, look at him, he's weird. Yeah, he is weird, but not because of that. Now, it's all fodder now, and because he's down, I mean, he, he's down right. and, and is getting, uh, you know, just heaped upon. Yeah, And people are some. Matt Calkins wrote a column in the Seattle Times. <coughs> Matt's a good writer. Matt said it's become painful to watch Russell already this year, and that even— mm-hmm. It reminds me a little bit as we go to break. I'm sure you will all remember the scene, I hope, with uh, Shirley Jones and Burt Lancaster. Oh, yeah. And oh, yeah. There you go, rolling your eye. The great Elmer Gantry. <laughs> what, 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 what are y'all, am- 100 years old? <laughs> Elmer Gantry, I'm talking about, Johnny. <laughs> Did you see Elmer that? Gantry. in
6: the Nickelodeon.
2: <laughs> but there's a scene where she wants. she wants to tear the man down because. He exploited her years before, left her after a quick relationship yeah, yeah. or whatever, maybe a one-night stand, whatever. Right. But Lulu Baines, I think, is the character's name. But there's a moment. There's a moment in it. And I'm now saying Shirley Jones, Lulu Baines, Matt Calkins, maybe a few Seahawks fans. They all <laughs> want him to lose. They all want him to fail. They want better draft picks. It's just business now because the worst Denver does with the Seahawks getting draft picks back, they get two good ones, and they're better if Denver has a bad season. So they get Denver's draft pick. So the worse Denver does, the better for Seattle.
6: And I can understand wanting that. Yes. But I can't understand just piling on a guy because he's down.
2: I know. Well, he left. He orchestrated his way out. And so good riddance to him. So a lot of Seahawks fans are reveling and relishing, they say, and watching their guy fall and fail in the manner that he is. You're not
6: supposed to revel in your, your opponent's Shirley Jones
2: uh, reveals to the press, uh, in traps, Burt Lancaster as Elmer Gantry, who is now a revivalist preacher but had a past— that she reveals, and it gets out in the news. And so people show up at this revival tent meeting and are throwing eggs and food (laughs) at Elmer Gantry. Burt Lancaster's taking it. Yeah, he's taking it. So coming off his face and chest, Shirley Jones was leading the way, Lulu Baines. But then as she watches, Mm -hmm. Elmer continued just to stand there and take it, Mm -hmm. and take the abuse, the physical abuse, the food in the face, and just stands there stoically taking it. She begins to back off and like oh i i didn't want it to get this bad uh, and that's yeah, well, matt Calkins saying to seahawks fans that's how he was feeling oh look at russ he's stumbling around Ooh, isn't that great oh it's good to see him yeah maybe it's not so good. oh man oh that's not good. i want to know how tj feels about that well he's not much of a seahawks fan is he yeah he's let's just take not a our... break and we'll hmm. talk to tj again again the what did we used to call it? The young person's. Pre- we had a little feature. We, we it went still for have a while. A, have okay, it open. Well, we'll we'll find out what a young a Seahawk fan, a fresh look. But I'm just saying it is painful. And Matt Hawkins is right. And you may want Russ to fail, but you want him to fail this badly. Are <laughs> you going Shirley Jones, Lulu Baines, Elmer Gantry, 1960? Even if you don't know the reference, I'm trying to describe the feeling at hand. Four, nine, seven, fifty, three, fifty, six, twelve, forty. Joe Radio.
5: John and Mike have been around the block a few times in their 19 years on The Joe Beaver Show. But sometimes, whether it be with their opinions or asking either of them what the newest trends in pop culture are, they could use some youthful assistance. Lucky for them, help is here. TJ Matthewson with A Fresh Look.
0: You're still young, that's your fault. There's so much you have to know. You'll find a girl. Settle down.
2: If you want, you can marry. look at me. I am old, but I'm happy. I was once like you are now. You know the funny thing
6: about it is it's uh, that was it's 20 years now, not nineteen, and I am hip on on uh uh modern culture. Dua Lipa is a great singer.
5: I
2: know. Have you ever heard of <laughs> yeah, Dua yeah, TJ, Lipa? No.
5: She's
2: okay. Before yeah, you got some Hey there. TJ, before we created <laughs> that little cat Stevens bit, had you ever heard of Cat Stevens? Okay, thank you. Thank you.
6: <laughs> anyway, is from like the 70s, right? The early 70s?
2: Yeah, 70s is his primary decade. Yeah. It I think you it like do my parents know. Oh, they know Cat Stevens. Yeah. I, I, they should anyway. He, I'm older well, I'm, old, I'm older than his parents.
6: You know Cat Stevens. Oh yeah, I man, knew yeah. him when I was I loved him as a kid. He's Yusuf Moram or yes, something like yes. that. now.
2: That's that's a, a beautiful, sad, poignant yeah. song, right yeah. there, Father yeah. and Son. Maybe his best overall work. I would agree. Maybe
6: not as, as popular, but yes, right. I agree.
2: Now, T.J. Yes, sir. We this is our indulge. Your second time in. Thank you. Today, we appreciate everything. How are you taking? You know, one one comment to a story by Culkin said, as they say in The Godfather, all, "Tell Mike." Tell Mike I always liked him. You know, he knows that, uh, Tom says, it, but it's just business. So is it just business for you? You want Denver to be bad to help the Seahawks in the draft picks, or is it business combined with, yeah, and good riddance, and I hope you do stumble around while you're in, in Denver?
5: It's it's really a complicated issue. It, it all arose week one, right? I mean, yeah. I was so sick on that Tuesday after the, the, of week one. And he gets booed. Russ gets booed when he comes And we're it, it, taking it to digest. It was like, you know, this just complex set of emotions. I remember John and I hosted the show the day <laughs> Russell Wilson got traded. We went through. That was a rough one. Yeah, we went through. I think I went through all 12 stages of grief in that one show. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know how to feel then. But as time has gone on, it is partly business, correct, because the Broncos right now hold the number seven overall pick, which is what I would envision the Seahawks were going to get this year. But now that they're actually winning games in time for first place somehow, um, we get the Seahawks need to rely on Russ to do the taking for them. And he's done a great job and a really good parting gift from him to, uh, to help them out. But also, as I mentioned to you guys in the break, there's just sort of this disconnect between Russ and seemingly everyone else. <laughs>
2: That's a lot of people. <laughs> Pretty
5: much everyone else, and you guys talked to—I to, think you might have mentioned it to Chad doing yesterday. Mm-hmm. But the fact that Marshawn Lynch has to go, Marshawn Lynch right. has to go through Russell's manager to talk to him. Mm-hmm. Marshawn, <laughs> Marshawn Lynch, no, that's the guy who was wrong. the key of the offense that won the right. Super Bowl. Yeah, that's has clearly to go wrong. As through a manager to talk to Russell Wilson kind of gives off the the idea that it, it's just like he's above yeah. everyone, and it and it leaks into the fans too. And for all of us Seahawks fans, it, it you're kind of it just makes it just so much more convenient to do so.
2: Okay. So. No, I got you. Partially business, partially. But Matt Calkins' piece—did you read that? The right. Seattle Times. Matt's a good writer, and Calkins' column just said it's so bad that it's almost going the other way now. That this mm-hmm. original glee over well—he's not looking very good—and we went with the right guy and Geno Smith, and look how well Geno's playing, et cetera. It's a little bit like the the food in the face for poor Elmer Gantry that turned one of her one of his chief haters into almost. She well, there, for the there's, guy. There's it's many, so bad.
6: many depictions of that in film through the years in different scenarios. Um, th- that's the problem is they're, they're piling on personal stuff. Now, some of it, a, a guy can ask for. Yeah. Weird. The weird thing he was doing on the sideline and all that.
5: Yeah, the, the run past thing. I mean, some of it, he's almost just making it like too easy. Did you guys, you guys saw the subway videos that he was making? He made one with like the danger.
6: video of him explaining his his sandwich being too dangerous have you ever done something dangerous <laughs> was it a commercial or, or a video I don't know
5: if they ever heard And did subway really?
2: drop it or I mean they,
5: uh no it got like the video was it, he did it back in like June or July
2: you know it finally
5: resurfaced like in the last like three
2: weeks in the underground internet though or on TV on Twitter, on on Twitter, on Twitter. but sub yeah. but not during NFL telecasts.
5: I don't remember exactly
2: okay. what it
6: is. What's the out. name of the gal he's married to? Ciara. Ciara. How often do we see famous people get together, and then all of a sudden one of them just goes off the deep end and does really <laughs> weird stuff?
5: Yeah, I do always wonder how much of an influence he had. She could have had a lot of an influence. He was a corny guy when he was married to his first wife.
6: I know that. I mean, corny, to me, depicts uh, old-fashioned. You uh-huh. don't swear. You... You know, you're childlike in many ways, and to me, uh, that's all okay until it's really weird. And it seemed like that's what he was when he first started. Now he's very corporate, very corporate. I mean, Mm. he has his own fashion brand. I think
5: they actually know, I think he has more than one fashion brand now. I think they just dropped a designer brand this year.
6: That almost sounds like someone got to him, like a a, a wife. It's always these power couples. And and then...
5: And again, it's just a bunch of things that it just does not not really like helping his case where like he doesn't it doesn't see like we're finally during this losing streak are seeing a little bit of like the human side of him. It seems like it's just like the tiniest bit because just like looking at the look on his face. Yeah. Where you could almost feel bad for him. But that like just the robot part of (laughs) on week one, he loses to the Seahawks and takes him an over an hour after the game to put on his. Bright teal suit to go to his press conference.
6: Yeah,
5: where he nearly said "Go Hawks" at the end of it. Was, that's he was, he
6: was close that's to just that. that's weird. It's sad and it's weird. It
2: is. But beyond all the the, the weirdness, the oddity, what what I, strikes me the most astonishing is just how bad he looks on the field. Forget all the. Whatever, let go Broncos, let's ride, or whatever, all the weird stuff, or TikTok videos, or Subway stuff, or whatever else, drop in a clothes brand. The play itself. I, I, what, yeah, poor uh, Chad yesterday, we had him on to talk about the Blazers and a little bit about Russell Wilson and he just said, well, they're stuck with him, mm-hmm. and they're going to have to fire Hackett in order to get somebody in who might be able to craft an offense that he can work with again because this ain't working, and it doesn't look like Russ is going to be able to spin out of this and make something out of the year.
5: Yeah. I, I, here's another thing that, about this situation. This is going to be now the first time where Russ, it seems like, has the most power in the organization. He never had that with Pete. He tried to give Pete some ideas. Which they went with sometimes, let Russ Cook was very popular.
2: Until it wasn't.
5: And Pete was like, We're not doing this anymore. And he pulled the reins back, and Russ
2: didn't like that. And now Russ gets what he wants. Right.
5: With a rookie head coach, where he's probably probably has a pretty decent amount of influence on the head coach that wouldn't fly in Seattle. No. And it's sort of just he's want he's wanting to be something he is not. He wants to be Tom Brady. He wants to be Aaron Rodgers. and He wants to be Drew Reese. And he's just, frankly, not.
2: Not good enough.
5: No, he's not. He's not. And that's not a bad thing. Most quarterbacks, most, a lot of Hall of Fame quarterbacks aren't even that good. Right? It, Russ is a Hall of Fame quarterback based off of what he was. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of it has to do with him, you know, again, wanting to be what he's not. again it, it did probably didn't help the first-time head coach trying to, like, you know, juggle a locker room, you know, cater to a new offense. Um just any any number of things. And the thing is, their defense is really good. Yes, it's supreme. They've given up, well, I think, six touchdowns in six weeks. That's
2: Those why I feel people. like that locker room probably already pretty splintered yeah. and pretty divided, yeah. and f- finger pointing is almost inevitable now. And, you know, with and, with that defense playing so yeah, well. Like, and, come on, guys. And,
5: and, and Russ, you know, signs his contract extension. What he wanted, forty-nine million dollars, which he made sure to come out and say. Just another thing, I didn't want to reset the market, so I'm only taking $49 million. <laughs> if I took 51, that's yeah. resetting the market. I, I'm team right. player, $49 million, which, again, for a, a guy making that much per year to come out and play terrible, uh, it doesn't reflect well on the locker room. And, it, and it'd be curious to see how they hold up, and um, I wouldn't be surprised if Hacking gets fired. That, that seems more certain with every week yeah. that passes by. The question is, what head coach yeah. would go there with that situation with an aging, more expensive quarterback um, and try and, yeah. I guess, fix it? I, I, I don't know. Who, who's up to that challenge? Because you would need someone with experience.
2: Chip Kelly. Chip no, Chip Kelly. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Sean Payne hey. gets thrown around yeah. all the time, too. Yeah. yeah, so, Last thing with you, TJ, and thanks for all the contributions all the time. But today we kind of hit on a lot of things with you. Let's close. I, I've seen articles coming out now about what will the Mariners do in the offseason after a special kind of year, excited to get back in the postseason. What do you expect in the, you know, we don't have time to go over every minute player on the roster and tra- possible transactions, but in the big picture stuff, what do you think they ought to do in this offseason? So
5: the, they had a, a press conference yesterday, Jerry DePo- Justin Hollander, Scott Service, I think. They, 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 the three of them spoke to the media yesterday, and, uh, that uh, it was a lot of off-season talk. So, uh, I guess, cleaning up, I guess, at the end of the playoff run, it seemed like Cal Raleigh had a torn u- ligament in his thumb mm-hmm. that he was playing through, which makes sense why his thumb was hurting. Julio had a, had a finger injury as well, the same one that Suarez had at the end of the regular season that he was playing through uh, there in that division series. Uh, and then Munoz had surgery on his foot, which would kind of explain why he sort of fell off a little bit in the playoffs. Um, and that's just injury-wise. Free agent-wise, they, they made it an emphasis that they are going to want to sign an infielder, and it's a very good shortstop class this year. Trey Turner, Xander Bogart, Stansby Swanson, uh, and Carlos Correa. And now that they've won, it, it sounds like what the, the, the sort of verbiage that Jerry Depoto said yesterday is that they feel like they have a good chance to land one of those guys. And now... They are Mariners already have a shortstop. They paid JP Crawford last year. However, JP Crawford, for about 80% of the season, was a very below average baseball player. And it didn't sound like they were as married to him as mm-hmm. shortstop as they were last season, where they said, came out and directly said, JP is our shortstop. Right. They said, we would prefer a infielder that we would sign be okay playing second. And there might be a couple who are, because a guy <clears throat> like Xander Bogart's. Hasn't been great defensively at at, at shortstop, so we say, hey, we'll give you shortstop money to play second base and somewhere you're more comfortable with. Okay, but he said, in the end, if we need to move JP over there, it sounded like they will, which is important because that will do wonders in luring a free agent. So that's one one piece. They could use another outfielder as well. I'm sure you guys saw some of the stuff that came out about Jesse. Wins- yes, MVP, not good. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, the presser yesterday, they really tried to downplay mm-hmm. it, but based on his usage at the end of the year and all the things that were said, it kind of made sense yeah. that he didn't work on his defense because it was pretty blatant when you went. And watched yes, it him was and man left field. So uh, I'm guessing they move on from him, which leaves an outfield spot open. You could resign Mitch Haniger. You could sign probably a better defensive outfielder and put Mitch Haniger at DH. Uh, there's a Mets outfielder, Brandon Nimmo, is available that department, uh, and they could always use more pitching, too. The pitching depth is pretty good in the
2: organization. What about Matty Boyd's future?
5: Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not sure. I get He is he would be in a tough spot because I don't think there's any deeper position in the organization than starting pitcher right now. I mean, they have all five starters that would be good to go next year, mm-hmm. and then they have two more in the bullpen they could lean on. I mean, uh, Boyd could start. Matt Brash could start. Uh, Flexen could start, which they, they're probably going to trade somebody because they just They almost have too much,
1: and then they have two guys in the
5: minors, Taylor Dollard and Emerson Hancock, who are probably at worst number five starters and would be ready for next year. So that doesn't leave much much room for Maddie unless he wants to be maybe a lefty
2: specialist. Okay, we have just heard as thorough a breakdown as you'll get on Mariner baseball from a true fan who knows it all. Before we take a uh, not a break but kind of move, Johnny, if anything's on the university on a text line, we'll get to it here in our remaining minutes. As I've just to let you know, we're making an effort. You and I have both reached out to the guru, Greg Biggins, to see if we can get kind of a late season update on Mm -hmm. Aiden Childs, the quarterback out of Downey High School. We've heard a lot about him, talked a lot about him, and look forward to finding out from a guy who sees him on a regular basis why Biggins is so high and excited about Aiden Childs at Downey High School. So we hope to do that tomorrow. Uh, Before we turn you loose, have you heard – From the old guard in the world, uh, uh, Kerry Eggers in particular, and I saw another column recently about how refreshing it was to hear Bob Costas back on the air doing a baseball game. I and love Bob Costas. You love Bob Costas. And Agers wrote, Bob Costas, comma, probably the best play-by-play man ever, comma. What do Worked you think? so-and-so game. And, I, and it was nice to hear the storytelling and less reliance on stats and analytics, et cetera, et cetera. So when I mentioned Costas, you immediately smiled. Yeah, what was that? What a, say so, you about Costas? I like
5: Costas. I do. Okay. I actually really – i I'd say more in the past really liked his baseball. Really did. I, yeah. I, his, especially with his voice. It, yeah. It just – right however he didn't he doesn't do much during the season right so he gets kind of thrown into a division series game and you know sometimes it, it seemed like the storytelling was maybe a little bit over the top you know more, that's more of like a, a radio thing to do to okay just draw on i didn't watch as much of casas but it, it just seemed like he was maybe trying a little bit too much in the story talk and not really focusing on the game. Okay. And I know you guys would probably agree with this more than I do, but I I don't like it when announcers will come on. And this is more of a problem with color commentary than play-by-play guys. But just come on and then just... Trash the new new game of baseball. Just like just oh, I hate this. I hate that. I hate this. I hate that. <laughs> oh, it's awful. I can't stand looking at a shift. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. I
6: when I, when I agree with you that it, you shouldn't. You we can feel it, but just not say it.
5: Yeah. Yes. Because it's like every all these teams are doing it. And you sitting up there like just like oh I hate this I can't stand this. No, 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 that's no, old. No. Like,
6: that's no, old man, man on a, on the lawn. That's old man shaking his what, fist on the Bob lawn. What did Bob do
5: that? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You should hear him talk about a shift.
2: I know. Well, he'll be a happy man soon when it's over. Be, yeah. But I, that surprises me because Costas knows that shifting has been going on forever in the game, and he's an old school guy who didn't like the introduction of wild cards into the postseason. The first original wild card, he didn't uh-huh. like. We got to so, go.
6: Phone caller on the yeah, line, Don. Let's welcome Don to the uh, T.J. Thank the you show. for the
2: uh, for the time and the perspective on everything today, Don. Good afternoon. Hi, hi guys. How are you doing today? Good, thanks.
0: <laughs> so, Mike. I'm hoping that your your enormous brain will remember this. Um, but you had Scott Spiegelberg on not too long ago, and he mentioned that there were four quarterbacks that played the year he was also a starting quarterback. And I know it, he was one, and then I know two of them, actually, Steve Jervis and Mike McLaughlin. Do you remember who the fourth one was from Bora High School, I think he said?
2: That's a good question. I'll have to ask Scott about that, and we should get Scott. I'm going to reach out to Scott about uh, Steve Jervis, as you suggested okay. we should. So I'll, yeah. I'll what I do, I'll ask. But I don't know okay. the answer to that off the top of my head, no. Yeah.
0: So I have I have another thing. Mike McLaughlin uh, uh, started a football program at, I think it's called Mount Spokane, and that's where Drew Rasmussen came from. Yes. And he, he told me one time that he was kind of, Irritated with uh, Drew's dad because Drew's dad wouldn't let him come out for football. I think he was looking. He was a football coach. Right. Uh, uh, Mike was, or yeah, he's retired now. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, and uh, I guess Drew went on to bigger and better things.
2: Hey, uh, Tom Hickey, Doug Blair just texted. Does that sound right to you? Who? Come- Doug Blair says Tom Hickey, the Bora High School quarterback. Oh, it, be. I'm going to write
0: that down, okay. but no, it, it doesn't ring a bell at all. Okay. But, you know, I, I'll, I'll try to remember that. So one other thing that I just noticed, and, you know, sometimes maybe we have too much idle time or something, but I looked up the uh, OSU baseball players um, that have made it to the major leagues. Mm-hmm. And from 1925 to 1996, there were 16 of them, mm-hmm. including Big Jim Wilson and yeah. Porsche and a few other kind of more modern players. Since 2000 to the present, 25.
6: Wow! Yeah, that's a great number. And
0: I was I was stunned, kind of, you know, by that number. Yep. Uh, maybe I shouldn't have been, but but you know, I, I was I was really surprised.
2: Don, thank you for that. We're out of time today. Thanks for the calls this week. We will be back tomorrow at bench warmers. Come join us, Don, and, and the rest of you. We hope to see you at 1895 Northwest 9th Street tomorrow. Benchwarmers Bar and Grill.